What is the minimum account size I can have as an RIA? That is today's question on the Transition to RIA video series. It is question number 20. Hi, I'm Brad Wales with Transition to RA, where I help advisors just like you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RA model. Uh, so today's question, we're going to talk about, okay, if you were to make that transition and you have your own RA, are there minimum account sizes you can have as your own RIA? And there's, there's kind of two things we want to think through with respect to this question. Uh, and I'm going to go through them in order. And the, and the first one is, you know, what what requirements or or minimums, if there are, you know, might your your custodian have? And then separate, what might you have as an RIA? What might that mean for you from a among other things a compensation standpoint? So again, we're going to go through both of those because you really have to think them through both uh, to address that question: Is there a minimum for you know that account size? So. Let's start with custodians. And again, just a quick recap. I talk about this in many videos, but as your own RIA, you, you will set up your RIA and you will need a custodian, perhaps more than one. I, I'll do a whole separate video on being single custodian versus multi-custodian, but you need at least a custodian if you have assets that you manage as that custodian holds those assets and does the trade and things like that. Uh, so with that relationship, you, you, need to, you need to ask yourself, okay, is that custodian, do they have a kind of a minimum account size that they will allow me to, to open an account with them as a custodian? And the, the short answer is custodians generally don't have a, a stated minimum account size that says, okay, you must be, you know, it must be a minimum of $50,000 or anything like that. Now, there are some, uh, you know, managed uh, solutions, you know, from an asset management perspective, your custodian might offer that, that perhaps you choose to utilize and maybe some of those managed solutions have minimums. But, but generally speaking, if you plan to manage the assets yourself uh, and you just need to open the account with the custodian, generally they do not have, you know, stated account minimums um, now, where it could come into play, um, and I'm going to do a separate video on this as well, is this, this concept of uh, how the trades in the account are, how those transaction fees occur. And I, I did do a, a previous video talking about you know, who pays those fees, and, and the world has changed quite a bit. A lot of that now has gone to zero. But for, for the sake of this video, no, there's, there's kind of two ways those the remaining fees can still be charged. It's transaction-based pricing, which is perhaps every time a trade occurs, there's a transaction fee. And then kind of an alternative that is asset-based price. And whereas the custodian there is basically saying, okay, we're not gonna charge you for any kind of trades of any sort. And instead we're gonna charge you uh, some basis points, maybe three basis points or something like that. And, and, and that's referred to generally as asset-based pricing. And, and the only reason I bring it up in this video is if you were gonna have a relationship or an account that's gonna be asset-based pricing, it's, it's conceivable a custodian might say, okay, if, if we're going to do asset-based pricing, then the, then the account has to have a minimum of X dollars in it. Because again, if, if, if they allow you to open an account with, with $100 in them, and they're only going to make three basis points on $100, obviously there's just not much revenue there to, 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 to cover the cost of actually holding that account as a custodian. So just a quick sidebar on that, on, on, the, on the, the, the kind of, narrower lane there if you were using asset-based pricing it, it, it could become an issue but 
But again, mo most folks use transaction-based pricing anyways. Um, and then, you know, a thing to keep in mind is uh, also fees that, that could be charged by the custodian or, or for that matter, not charged. And so I'll give you an example. A, a lot of custodians will, will waive certain fees once an account or, or more so the, the relationship. So if, a, so if a client has three accounts, but altogether the relationship exceeds some number. And, and that could be for you know, little things like sending a wire and things like that, that, the, that at some point ab, 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 when you go above that and that relationship size, uh, they do start waiving those fees. And so it's an interesting way to look at it is, is, is it, are they waiving fees on large accounts or are they assessing fees on small accounts? You know, it's, it's the, the inverse of each other. Whatever way you get there, they, they generally have some kind of relationship price in which above some amount, maybe certain kind of account fees are waived um, and, and maybe below that they're not. So just, again, something to be aware of doesn't, doesn't necessitate a, a minimum account size, but it does impact perhaps those smaller accounts you might have. Uh, and then the, the last piece I would say with custodians is, is part of, and this is what I help advisors with, is part of transition of the model, if you're gonna have your own RIA, and again, you need a custodial relationship to, to hold those assets. And, and again, you, you ultimately in, in the long run could have even more than one, um, but, but that's a two-way street. Obviously custodians are out there trying to earn your business um, and, and, and you want to be satisfied with what they're providing as well. But it also has to make economic sense for the custodian to enter into that relationship with you. So kind of an extreme example, if, if you, you know, if you have a hundred million in, in assets, but you have 4,000 accounts, so you just have a lot of very small accounts, even if that custodian doesn't have, you know, a, a stated minimum account size, when, when they're evaluating that relationship, whether they, they want to go into business with you, it might, it might not make sense for them because there is a cost to a custodian to, to, to have an account on their platform. And yes, there's a lot of scale involved in that, but uh, there is some liability. There is some risk. There are uh, tax forms and tax documents that have to be generated. There are client statements that have to be done. So every account, there, there is some degree of cost to a custodian. And so the, the, the advisor with a hundred million that has, you know, a hundred accounts is dramatically different than another advisor with a hundred million that has 4,000 accounts. And, and the custodian will, will take that into consideration. So it's, it's something you want to keep in mind with that. And, and it's, it's kind of even more so nowadays because, uh, you know, a year or so ago, uh, when a lot of transaction charges uh, did go down to zero. So for instance, nowadays, most, most large custodians equity and ETF trades are, are now at zero, but they used to be call it six, seven, $8 per trade, something in that range. And, and, and back when that was the case, and, and there are still some transaction charges on and mutual funds and things like that. Nowadays, I, I did do a whole video on, on who pays these transaction charges. So go back, take a look at that if you want more details, but, Back when, when you know, there's, there were transaction charges based on everything, so equities and ETFs, those smaller accounts weren't necessarily a, a bad thing for uh, a custodian because to the degree, let's say an RA uses uh, uh, models, uh, maybe they make their own ETF model uh, that they use with all their clients for simplicity. Let's say it's, it's one model. And if, and in two, two extreme examples here, but if, if one RA has, 10 accounts, we're going to use a real extreme example. And another, another RA has 300 accounts. 
And, and every single one of those accounts is, is in that model. Well, when that RA went to go and, and maybe rebalance uh, each, each the model, so each of those accounts needed to be rebalanced, in, in that, that relationship that only has 10 accounts, which in some ways you say, okay, that's, that helps on, on cost to the custodian, but in that account, there were only trades, a rebalance happening in, in 10 accounts. And so let's say if it was five, five trades that had to been done in this rebalance and there's 10 accounts, so that's 50 trades that the, the custodian would generate revenue from. Whereas if you had 300 accounts that had to, to, to generate revenue, each of those were gonna do five trades at you know, whatever dollar per amount per transaction. Uh, obviously, that was that was more lucrative for the custodian that they that there would be more trades because each of those individual accounts needed that rebalance. Um, but now that at least with respect to equities and ETFs, a lot of those transaction costs have gone to zero. That dynamic is is not there anymore. So this this whole concept of a custodian looking at you know your your average account size and how many accounts you have is is now even more amplified because it, at least perhaps at least if there was a, a large enough to at least do these rebalances and stuff, it, it still made sense. But, but now a lot of that's even taken out of the equation as well. So just know a custodian will look at that. Again, that's the thing I help advisors understand when you go to engage custodians and why you should maybe choose one custodian over another and, and what you can expect them to ask you. And that, and that is one of the things I coach advisors on. They will ask, you know, how many accounts do you have? What's your average account size? those sorts of things. So uh, just some thoughts to be aware of from the custodian side. Now from the RIA side, which you will have you know, full control over, uh, you, you have 100% uh, authority to decide on your own what, what if any account minimum you will have. Again, assuming there's, there's no custodial issue like we just talked about. So you know, most advisors nowadays, most RAs nowadays do generally you know, have some kind of stated minimum amount. Um, but, but that's entirely up to you to decide how you want to do that. There's, there's no, uh, you know, asking anyone's permission or anything like that. You as an RA decide, okay, we're, our account minimum is going to be half a million, or maybe it's going to be 100,000, or maybe it's going to be a million. You, you have full control. That's one of the great benefits of an RA, full control over making that determination on your own. Um, and to be sure, there is no regulatory minimum out there. There's no, there's no regulatory requirement that a, an SEC registered RA has has an account minimum of any size. So you don't, you don't need to worry about that uh, either. And then the final point on an RA is just how you're compensated. Again, one of the benefits of uh, having your own RA is you get to decide how you're compensated, how you set your fee structure, and you have full flexibility on that. And so perhaps you can find a way to, to accommodate those smaller clients. And it's just maybe how you decide to charge on those accounts. Uh, and, and when you have full control over that, it gives you a, a big difference for maybe what your flexibility or opportunities are with your current firm. And so I, I did want to give that contrast as well. Uh, so let's, let's say you are with one of the large traditional brokerage firms, maybe a wirehouse type firm. Uh, a couple of things with, with which, you, which you're all too familiar with, but I, I just want to touch on them and how they're different in the RIA space. Um, but a couple of things of how, how these large firms sometimes approach small accounts. Um, sometimes they just outright do not allow them. Under, under a certain amount, you cannot open an account under X dollars. And it's just, it's just a hard stop. Um, so that, that's an inflexibility. And I'm going to give you a, a specific example of why I think that's incredibly short-sighted that they do that. Um, but as an RIA, again, you don't, have that, you don't have anyone dictate that to you at all. You, you have the flexibility to decide if it makes sense or not. Um, some, some of the, the larger firms now are building these kind of in-house 
call center uh, kind of subsidiaries, if you want to call it that, and, and they're basically forcing advisors that, oh, oh, your smaller accounts, you have to move these over this call center approach and they will handle the relationship. And, and maybe you get some degree of uh, residual income off of that, if, if anything, but basically they're basically forcing that away from you and you have to send it to this call center. Again, in the RA world, no one's gonna tell you what you can or can't do with your accounts like that. Um, and then the, the final thing is, right, is then some firms will let you have smaller accounts but they'll just pay you a lot less and sometimes zero on those accounts. And I think this is a kind of a troubling trend that you see that, that bar of, of what the, the minimum account size to get paid on or get paid full on is keeps getting raised. I've, you know, I've seen over time, Oh, it's a, it was a hundred thousand. And if you had an account under hundred thousand, you got a, a lower grid rate or in some cases zero. Uh, and then I've seen some firms now, now move that up to 250,000 and, and, who's to say that one day that won't keep creeping higher and, and you know they, they say oh well, either you can get paid a lower grid rate or oh you can you can move it over here to our call center which of course is great for the firm not so great for you and so again in in a, in your own ria you can you don't have to worry about this oh under under a certain amount my compensation is going to go down lower you again set what your compensation is going to be on, on any size relationship. That's something you establish upfront with the client. So again, no one's gonna dictate to you how that works. Um, and so to, to, to kind of wrap up uh, with your own RA, again, there's, there's no, from the RA's perspective, there's no minimums, there's no regulatory requirement of it. Uh, if you do wanna be cognizant of the, the potential challenges the custodian might have with small accounts, it's something to be aware of. And again, something talk through with someone like me to understand how your book, how a custodian may or may not have concerns over, over parts of your book. Um, again, you set the compensation, full flexibility to do that. Uh, and I did want to finish with an example, like I talked about that I, a moment ago I referenced, where I think these large firms are being very short-sighted. So there's, there's this concept that you might have heard of, of Henry's, it's an acronym, Henry, uh, which is high earning, not rich yet. Uh, and so the classic... Uh, Kind of textbook example of that is the the kind of the new doctor that's just that's just gone through all their school and all the residency now they're out there and they're and their their starting wage is quite high but because of all of the schooling that they've been going through they at that point in their career they don't have much you know investable assets built up just yet however there's every reason to believe because they're now a high earner that over time they absolutely will be able to build uh, you know, an asset value there with you. And, and so for a, a big firm now to say, this is arbitrary, oh, you, you, you have under X dollars in your account. So your advisor either can't work with you or we're going to pay, pay the advisor less or nothing for that matter, or the, we're going to force the advisor to move to this call center. And I, and I think, how, how could you turn down that, that, that opportunity to work with a new doctor that you know is going to be making very good income over time? It just ha so happens to be that today, it's just still modest, but there's every reason to believe it's going to grow. And so as your own RIA, you, you absolutely have the ability to work with folks like that because you, you can see where that path could go and, and you can set your own compensation structure of, of maybe how that needs to work. So, so while that, uh, that doctor maybe still doesn't have much in assets, maybe, maybe you do a retainer type fee for those first couple of years and it's a, it's a flat $5,000 a year or whatnot for all the services you provide. And then once that account value actually gets to, to, 
to, to an, an asset level where your asset uh, uh, price and you know, maybe you do 1%, maybe that works better at that point. But again, the, the idea is you have full flexibility to do that as your own RIA. And I, I think you, you're going to need that because this, this stringent approach that these large firms are using, I think is just incredibly short-sighted and, and holding you back as an advisor. So with that, like I said, my name is Brad Wales. I'm with Transition to RIA, where I help advisors just like you understand everything there is to know about why and how to transition to the RIA model. Uh, today's question, perfect example. Hey, if I was going to go to the RIA model, do I need to be worried about account minimums? What might my custodian have concerns with? What flexibility do I have? All kinds of things I talk to advisors about. I uh, would love to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, if you're not already there, head on over to transition to RIA.com. Uh, I have plenty more videos posted. I got white papers. Uh, and then the easiest solution is right there at the top is a contact link. Uh, just click on that. Uh, you can instantly and easily set up a specific date and time uh, for us to connect and we can begin a dialogue. And, and again, what I help advisors with is, is hey, let, let's look at your practice. What, what kind of model do you have now? What kind of firm are you at with now? What kind of client base do you have now? And, and what might that look like under the RIA model, both from an economic standpoint, a flexibility standpoint, a control standpoint? And I really help advisors understand all that. That's the, the why part of, of, of what I do. And then, you know, to the degree that seems like a, a maybe a path you want to explore further, we talk to, okay, how do you go about transitioning to that model? Uh, so I'm more than happy to start that dialogue with you. So with that, like I said, I'm Brad Wells. I hope you enjoyed today's video and I'll see you on the next one.